Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Isaiah chapter 9 is our theme scripture for this series. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, talking about the birth of Jesus, it says, For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us. That's so important, team, you know. It's not just saying that a child was born at Christmas. The Bible is literally prophesying that a son was given, God's own son. And that's amazing because when I think about a child being born, that's significant. But when you think about a son being given, well, that's infinitely more important. God chose to give His own son for you and for me. The government will rest on His shoulders and He will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And we've been looking at these. In fact, if you weren't with us this morning, we talked about Jesus, our Prince of Peace this morning. But I want to talk to you about the first of these four as we bring it to a close this evening. And that is Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor. I really believe it's going to help somebody. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 is another text that I want to just add to our message tonight where it says, because he himself, talking about Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Have you ever walked into a room and the moment that you walked into the room realized that you're dressed for the wrong room? Anybody ever done that? I mean, I, I got invited a couple of nights ago, a couple of Sunday nights ago to go to what's called Carols at Parliament. And I walked out of the service in the five o'clock here in Wellington. And, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of dressed up for a five o'clock. I had like my faded jeans on and, you know, I'm 43, so swag is getting a little bit harder to achieve these days. So I was like, I'm swagging up as much as I can, you know, and I jump out of the service and I, I quickly put on a, a shirt and a tie and, and my suit to make, go down to Parliament where my wife was speaking to nine different ambassadors of countries and a bunch of different MPs. I sat next to the, the, the ambassador for Germany. I hope you understand that's one of the world's most powerful economies, probably second to China. And so I, I was just like in the middle of all these people and just so glad that I wore a suit because they said the dress code was smart casual. Well, nobody told the people that were in that room. But have you ever got the dress code and kind of mixed it up? Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever turned up to a banquet, but you thought you're turning up to a barbecue? You know what I mean? Like you walk in, you got your jandals on, shorts, you got your, you know, a little ball ready to spin it in your hand. You, you turn in and everybody else has got a suit and tie on or, you know, or you, you got, your, you got your, 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 your track suit pants on and all the other girls are dressed in their glam rags, you know, and tight fitting and everything like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've dressed into the wrong, I've walked in the wrong room. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? How about school socials? Is there anybody here who remembers school socials? You know, you walk up the school social, you know, and you're just always paranoid because when you walk up, there's this one kind of cool outfit and you're just hoping that you've like, you know, read the, the I don't know how I'm supposed to define that as a Christian, but you know, you just hope you've got the mind meld right and that you've got the cool outfit because you don't want to be the kid who messed up the fashion trend. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody ever done that? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you and say, I hated school socials. They're the worst places in the world. I couldn't 
When you're in a room and you're dressed wrong for the room, when you're, when you're in a space and you don't feel like you're connecting with that space, then the first thing you want to do is you want to get out of there. You want to get away from an environment that makes you feel uncomfortable. You, you want to get around people who feel like they're people like you. It's easy to be in a room, and if you're in the room and you feel like you're in the wrong space, like these are not your people, it's so easy to be in that room and feel a sense of shame or maybe even embarrassment, to feel like, oh man, I'm here, but I shouldn't be here. And, And I guess when we're talking about Christmas, this gets pretty real for us, because we're not just talking about a God who is out there somewhere, aloof or removed, we're talking about a Jesus who stepped into the narrative of our human story, a Jesus who presenced himself and said, I'm gonna walk among you. I'm gonna be Emmanuel. We talked about that on the opening of this series. I'm gonna be the God who is with you. And when we think about relating to that God, connecting with him, being in the same space as the creator of the universe, I wonder what that looks like for you. Because it can be easy for me and I reckon for all of us to think about a room where you're not fit for the room and think, I just need to get out of there. Or when we think about connecting with God, to think I'm not good enough or I'm not holy enough or I'm not worthy enough. And so therefore, to think about standing before Him, well, I'm just not dressed for that occasion. And we can easily think about God that somehow, you know, He is this holy God who, because He is holy, He must be angry, you know? Like when I grew up in church, I knew that you were supposed to be holy, but my assumption was that holy was angry because that's how the preachers preached, you know? They preached about God who was holy and the devil who was evil, and the way they talked about both of them was angry. So I figured that God was angry and the devil was angry and just angry is what church is all about. And you can think about holy and think that holy is angry or that holy is snooty, you know? I hate snooty people, you know what I mean? Who just look down their nose at you because you're not educated like they are, you know? You haven't got your P's in, we have to do it with an English accent. I'm sorry for every English person here, but you just have a reputation for being snooty, I'm sorry. God is holy, and you are not holy, and oh, you shall not come before such a holy God, you know. God is holy. We think, we think about connecting with Him, and we're like, man, you know, I don't know if I should be coming before Him because He is, he is angry at me, or he is, he is snooty at me, you know. Or he is somehow aloof, like a, like a distant father figure who's kind of out there somewhere and we get to call him dad, but we never really get to ever experience his presence. Well, imagine if for a moment that was not what God's like. Imagine for a moment tonight that the God of the universe is not aloof, austere, removed, that God is not somehow even living on a different planet to you, that when you walk into God's presence, it's not like He's wearing a three-piece suit and you've got your jandals on. It's not like God is dressed in robes and you're dressed in rags. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like if you walked into the presence of God and found that He was clothed or He appeared just like you and me? 
Can even we even comprehend that? When we think about Christmas and we think about the birth of Jesus, it's, in, it's, it's a challenge for you and I to get our head around a God who has been in our struggle, who, who, is, who is familiar with what the journey of my life and your life looks like. A God who's not like unsympathetic or God who can't connect or a God who is somehow like removed from our situation. When we think about Christmas, we're actually talking about a God who's radically different to the perception of most. That our God at Christmas declared to you and me, I am God, yeah, but I'm gonna put on flesh and blood. I'm gonna move into your neighborhood One songwriter recently said he walked these streets. Another person wrote about Jesus and said he put on flesh and blood and he moved into the neighborhood. It's a translation of one verse in the Bible. That at Christmas, we're connecting with a God who is not out there, but a God who was born into our struggle. Someone who can connect with the way that you and I live. Our second text this evening says, because he himself struggled when he was tempted. He is able to help us who are being tempted because Jesus went through the same things. Because Jesus put on the same clothes that we're wearing. Because He wore the same garments as us. Because He lived the same life as us. Not not a flawed one, by the way. The difference between Jesus and you and me is that He never stuffed it up. You know, He never made a mistake. But it doesn't mean because of His perfection that he is somehow aloof or removed. It means exactly the opposite. Because Jesus was able to walk it and not blow it, then we who have blown it can come to him and find help for this struggle, this life that we're living right here and right now. It's an amazing thing to consider about Jesus that he is not out there, but that he gets it. He gets it. Have you ever tried to get advice from somebody who just doesn't live where you live? I mean, you know, maybe you're trying to talk to them about a budget and they've like never, ever had to have one. You know what I mean? Or maybe you're like trying to talk about how you can, especially guys, you know, trying to talk about how to, how to connect with this girl and your buddy is the guy that all the girls just always have liked his whole life and he kind of looks at you like, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, you're like, I hate you right now. You know, like, it's a challenge, isn't it? You know, like you're, you're like, okay, I'm just trying to get the, the budget to make sense. And they're like, what, 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 what is that even? Yeah. I'm trying to get the girls, you know, to like me. And the guy's like, they like, they like me. You know, like, and you're like, it's, you know, just, I want to poke your eyes out. And, and, and it's difficult. It's difficult to connect with somebody who doesn't get it, isn't it? And it's hard to imagine a God that's like you and I. But the amazing thing about God, team, and I, I just really want you to get this tonight, is that God gets it. When we're talking about Jesus, we are talking about a God who forever wanted you and I to know that I am not removed from your human experience. A God who stepped into humanity's story, dwelt among us, walked our streets, lived our life, 
put on flesh and blood, experienced everything that we experience. And the Bible puts it in the most brutal honesty when it says he himself struggled when he was tempted. So therefore he is able to help us. He suffered when he was tempted. So he's able to help those who were being tempted. He, in other words, Jesus is involved in our struggle. The reason why we call Jesus our wonderful counselor is because the Jesus we approach at Christmas can give advice and understands and comprehends no matter what situation you might find yourself in the middle of tonight. And I believe that the most earth-shattering thing that any person can ever understand about God is that He empathizes with our temptations that God sympathizes with our struggle. It seems more natural to connect with a God who is like just up there in heaven, you know? A God who is somehow not part of this deal, not, not ever been tainted by it. A God who didn't ever know what it's like to be in the middle of a divisive home. A God who's never watched somebody make wrong choices. A God, a God who never went to a party. God who never saw anybody in a compromising situation. A God who's somehow out there and somehow doesn't touch it. A God who's never felt the desire to take for the benefit of self. A God who's never experienced that rage of lust or the burn of resentment. And we can think about Jesus and we can kind of put him right up there, somehow so removed from our human experience that we, we can feel like coming before him it's kind of like trying to connect with the person who's never had to set a budget or to walk into his presence. is like being in your flip-flops when you're standing before the guy with the three-piece suit. But when we come to Christmas and we read our Bible and we discover that he's not, you know, austere teacher, but wonderful counselor. Somebody who's saying, I, was, I suffered when I was tempted. When we start to realize about Jesus that he came to forever let you and I know that I am not removed from all of that. I have felt the burn. I've experienced the rage. I've had selfishness raise its ugly head. And the arrival of Jesus came to you and me to declare forever that Jesus is uh, familiar with our human condition, that He is acquainted. I love that word. That He is acquainted with our issues. Jesus has felt our temptations, experienced our living. And that is why He is a wonderful counselor for you, my friend, because not only is He a God who points you in the right direction, He's a God who understands the point of your origin. He's not a God who just expects you to be somewhere. He's the God who wants to walk with you to get you there. He's not a, he's not a, a, a Lord who's out there. He's a friend who's right here. Christmas is the declaration about Jesus that I am your wonderful counselor because I'm involved in your story, because I care about you, because I'm present and I am available if you need my help. That's amazing. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 is just the most mind-blowing scripture. Let me read it out for you tonight. Maybe you've never heard it. For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, so just, we do not have a God who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, 
yet was without sin. In other words, when you come to Jesus' team, you're not coming to a God who is somehow unable to connect with where you live and therefore unable to give you help. Jesus is a God who is a wonderful counselor because He gets your story. He understands your life. He felt the agony of our trial. He knows our challenges. He can help us when we attempt it. He can deliver us out of all kinds of evil because He has lived our story, walked our journey, and has the victory that you and I need and the help to get us through whatever we're facing. Our God doesn't want any person hearing this talk tonight to think that somehow they are unworthy of His love or shocking in the inner turmoil of their heart or somehow too depraved to encounter a holy God. No, my friend, Jesus gets it. He gets it. He's a wonderful counselor because He can empathize with every part of our human story. You know how we tend to feel about God? We tend to feel that if we were to come to God with what we're facing, if we were to be honest with Him and to ask for His advice, that He would go, oh no, oh no. Have you ever, you ever done that? Have you ever walked up to somebody that you really trust? You finally get the courage, you know, you calm your beating soul and you're like, let me tell you about my, you know, like, let me tell you about my story. You kind of let them into your life and then they're like, oh, oh no. You know what I mean? You're like, well, that was a mistake, you know? We don't serve a God who when we come to Him, He goes, oh no. When you come to God, He goes, I know. I understand your life. I care about you. I felt your pain. I'm in your corner. I believe you can get there. I made it and I'm gonna walk with you through it. We come to a God who has felt our pain, who knows our difficulty, who not only cares about our story, but is acquainted with it. We serve a God who has empathy with us. In other words, Jesus understands. He's a wonderful counselor because He gets it, He understands, and He is able to help. Let me give you another verse, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Because He Himself, oh, sorry, I've already given you, Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our hour of need. Because we have a God who gets it. The Bible is saying we don't run away from Him when we're struggling but we come towards Him when life isn't going well because He is able to give us help and he will, we, we may receive mercy and we will find grace in our hour of need. Our God, He, he, he is a wonderful counselor because He gets our human story and He walks with us anyway. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. And it says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? This is the message of Christmas. He who did not spare his son, his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that man, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Where is Jesus? Not disconnected, not uncaring, not sympathetic, not unsympathetic, but our wonderful counselor 
is seated at the right hand of God, having already paid the price for our wrongdoing, having already given his life to give us life, he now sits at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. An intercessor is someone who pleads on the behalf of. That's what God, that's what Jesus is doing for you. He's pleading on behalf of the Father because he cares about you. He's not saying, man, they are so bad, you should smite them, almighty smiter. He's saying, Father, I get it. I get it. And would you love them anyway? And I don't know about Dunedin, but we sang tonight, how great is the love of the Father who carried the weight of eternity, traded heaven's glory for nails-pierced hands, exchanged our sin for righteousness. And that's the kind of Jesus that we're talking about at Christmas, guys. A Jesus who is there, a Jesus who understands, a Jesus who offers counsel and advice, a God who connects with our story, a God who wants to be welcomed in. And sometimes the bravest thing that you and I can do is regardless of whatever kind of religious experience we've had or whatever kind of people encounters we've had that would make you and I fear vulnerability, the smartest thing that we could do this Christmas is decide that we are going to allow Jesus to have access to our lives, that we're gonna welcome him in. That we're not going to be like the people who fear the party that we don't have the right dress code for. But we're going to be the kind of people who allow this wonderful counselor the opportunity to connect with us, to get involved in our lives and in our story. In fact, if you check out one more scripture tonight, in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says about Jesus that He is able to save those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. He is able to save completely because he lives to intercede. In other words, Jesus is not disconnected from our human story, but is intimately involved. He's not out there uncaring and unable to give us the right kind of counsel, but he's the God who is intimately acquainted with our struggle, who cares for you and me. He's a wonderful counselor because he's lived in this story, won victory for you and me, and now in heaven, he is reaching down as a wonderful counselor, saying, I live for you, I care for you, I desire for every person to open up their lives and to welcome me in. That's the kind of God that we're talking about at Christmas. And I believe that that's the kind of God that can make an eternal change in our lives. A wonderful counselor who understands our story, who cares about our lives and wants to make a difference. When you and I start to see Christmas that way, it really does change the story of Christmas. Not just the birth of a Jesus, but the entrance of a counselor. Someone who's walked my story and yours and is able to connect and provide help. Well, man, you need that guy as your best friend. You need Jesus as the closest companion walking with you as you're going through the journey of life. Because when Jesus is central to any person's story, 
Well, man, you can get advice from someone who not only understands where you live, who's tried to balance your budget, try to live your journey, but a God who is intimately involved and cares about the struggle that you and I live, providing advice, working solutions to problems that we couldn't ever solve. We could never get to heaven. And He said, I'll pay my, the price for that. We would never find right relationship with God. And our Jesus made the way for you and me to be able to connect with Him. And my friend, I believe with all my heart that the most important thing that you and I can discover this Christmas is the impact of a personal relationship with Jesus and allow that wonderful counselor to take His central place in our lives. Do you believe that today? Man, if we're gonna do two things in, in response to the fact that God is our wonderful counselor, if we're gonna you know, really get access to this God who gets it, then I just think there are two simple things that we need to do. The band are gonna join me in both campuses. I'm nearly done, but let me just tell you two things, two things that I believe every person needs to do this Christmas. If the wonderful counselor is gonna make a full impact in, our, in your life and mine. And the first thing, that we need to do to allow Jesus, this God who cares about us, to truly find His full expression in our lives is we need to firstly release our fear. You know, in the Scripture that I read out tonight, in the preceding verses, it says He frees those who all their lives have been held slavery by, the, by their fear of death. You can be held captive, held slave by a fear that can inhibit you from living the life God wants for you. And many people, many people, and it finds expression in a myriad of different ways. They blame God for things. They reach out an angry finger and say, well, where was God when? But the deep fear of every single person is that somehow God is not loving enough for them or caring enough to welcome them or not, not a God of grace enough to understand the brokenness of my story. Well, the first thing God wants you to do this Christmas, my friend, is to release that fear. That's why Jesus came. He's a wonderful counselor because He reaches to you and to me and He says, I love you no matter what the state of your life or the brokenness of your past or the messed up decisions or the journey thus far. We, we do not need to have fear in coming before God. His, the intention of His love is to drive out our fear, to open up His arms towards you and to me and to say all who are willing may come. You don't have to have fear that you're dressed wrong for the party. You don't need to doubt whether you are going to be accepted by God. The message of Christmas is I'm wearing your wardrobe, pal. I've moved into your neighborhood. I understand your story. Don't live your life in fear. Come to the God, the God of all love. That's the story of Christmas. In fact, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 puts it this way. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This whole book is anchored in a theme, 1 John, that God is love. So when it's drawing a comparison between fear and love, it's drawing a comparison between fear and God. And it's saying drive out that fear because fear is about punishment, about the feeling that you're wearing the wrong clothes at the party. And God's saying, no, 
Don't you think that you're going to be rejected? You're going to be accepted. Don't think that you're not good enough. God will make you worthy enough. Don't think for a second that God is going to preclude you. No, God is going to include you. You're not on the out with God. You're on the in with God. He wants you not to run from Him, but this Christmas to run towards Him. The second thing that you and I need to do is not only release our fear, but I've already mentioned it, we need to run to God. Because He is our wonderful counselor, we need not fear that He's gonna say, oh no. We need to resolve in our hearts that He will say, when we bear our lives to Him, I know, I know, and I care, and I, I want to be involved and I want to help. We need to run not from God, but run towards Him. I, I made a decision when I was 18 years old to put Jesus first in my life. And I have one regret about that decision. One, that it took me until the age of 18 to make that decision. I thought that connecting my life with God, I don't know about anybody else, but I thought that connecting my life with God would mean for me that all the fun would go. Little did I know that the moment I stopped being afraid of God, the moment that I ran towards Him, He would start to counsel me, show me my life's purpose, show me the plans that I, He has for my life, why I'm alive, why you're alive. There's no, there's no leftovers with God, no mistakes, and there are no failures. There are just people for whom God loves and for whom God died, Jesus died. And this Christmas, the greatest decision that any person could ever make is to open up their life and to welcome Jesus in because He gets it. He's your wonderful counselor. Maybe you're hearing this talk tonight and what you're asking in your heart is you're saying, well, how do I welcome God in? How do I let the God of all eternity find you know, a relationship with me? How do I come to that God? Well, you know, it's so simple that it can just seem too hard. Isn't it amazing how many things in life that really count the most are so easy that we don't think that they're real? And with God, the way that you connect with Him is by simply deciding that you're gonna reach out to Him and you are gonna pray a prayer. Because at many times of our lives, we feel like God is out there and there's no way He could connect with me right where I am. Well, if you've taken anything out of this talk tonight, take this, that God is not out there somehow distant and removed, but a God who has literally lived in our story and a God who is involved and a God who is available and a God who is waiting for anybody who would be willing to reach out to Him. 
My son Will, who's on the front row over here tonight, has discovered a, a love for the great outdoors. So we're, we're going out into the country, the, you know, out of cell phone coverage, which for me is totally weird. And we book these dock huts and we stay there at night and we light fires and roast marshmallows and make dams and do boy stuff. And, and, and you know, we, we, we go out there. And when we first started to go out into the great outdoors, I said to Will, I said, you can, you can go out there and you can even wander off a little bit on your own. But I bought him a whistle and one of those little lanyards and I put it around him You know, I got him a really good one, one that can't be destroyed by water or fire or pretty much anything, you know. And, and I said, Will, you can go wherever you want, but you got to keep the whistle on. And he said, why, Dad? I said, because if you get out there and you suddenly discover that you don't know where you are, all I want you to do is stop and I want you to blow the whistle. And <laughs> which he lost, he's just shouting out from the front row. <laughs> Thank you, Will. <laughs> because at the end of the day, if he hadn't lost the whistle, then it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter where he is. If he blows the whistle, I'm going to find him. Well, you might feel like you've wandered off the track tonight. You might feel like you're in the gullies of life. You might feel like you're unworthy or you're undeserving. But the great promise of a loving Father is that if you would blow your whistle or if you would pray a prayer and reach out to Him, you gotta know no matter how dark the hole, no matter how desperate the circumstance, no matter how, how awful or far you might feel, if you reach out to God in prayer, then the God of all creation will come to find you right where you are. He is the God who reaches down to pull us out. He is the God who finds us, wraps us in arms in love, delivers us from all our fears. A God who makes us clean and worthy and holy. A God who cared so much that He stepped into our story. A God who loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change to come to Him. If you blow your whistle, if you pray to Him, you'll find that He is caring, that He's close, that He wants to be involved in your life. He is the God who loves you just the way you are. Come on, why don't we give that God some praise together tonight. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.